Welcome to another episode of Men in Your Life, Unapologetically Human. I am Dan, or I'm Brady. No, actually, it's not Brady. Uh, Brady is actually gone for a few weeks, um, never coming back. No, I'm joking. Brady is off to get married to his lovely soon-to-be wife. Um, I don't know if I'm going to say her name or not. I don't know if he'll get upset, but uh, Sarah, um, it is basically he has spoken about her heavenly or uh, heavily for shoot from the beginning of this podcast about how that is her uh, his best friend and uh, I will actually be going to the wedding next week and I am super excited for those two guys uh, for those two I'm super excited to be there um, I'm just you know it's when you kind of hear about one of your buddies talk so lovingly about their better half it's it's kind of it's exciting you know you for you get excited for them you get excited for what they have for their future and you know i just i really couldn't be happier for brady so brady when you listen to this man congratulations um we'll see you next week and that is the end of this show nope just kidding this is not gonna be a short one in fact we actually have a surprise today good old buddy chris and good old buddy seth are joining us today for a little uh, little three-way conversation. What's going on, guys? Hey, thanks for having us back, man. Yeah, appreciate it, man. Thanks Absolutely. for having us here. Well, you and know, congrats. our ratings... I'm oh, sorry, Go ahead. congrats to Brady as well. Yes, shout out to Brady. Congrats, man. Well, you know, our... our or uh, quote-unquote mythical rating skyrocketed when we have guests. So with you two on, those were or when you guys get on here, like Chris, when you're on here, those are like some of our most listened to like episodes. And then Seth, when you were on the other day, that was also one of our most listened to episodes. So clearly it's more about you two than it is about Brady and I, and we are the uh, rock that is dragging the boat back. Well, I think honestly, because um, I tell my mom about the podcast when I'm on it. And so like, I think she's just watched, like, listening over and over again. So that's, that's probably honestly <laughs> why my, my views have gone through the roof. <laughs> well, I know that Seth, you and uh, your wife, you guys listen together. Actually, no, I listen separately, uh, usually oh. for my, while I'm at work or on my way to work. Uh, and then she wa- listens separately as well. Uh, our way of totally boosting the ratings. No, just kidding. But um, I do appreciate you guys having us here. It's, it's pretty cool, man. I enjoy I enjoy talking about myself incessantly. It's fine. <laughs> <laughs> well, you guys always do such a wonderful job when you come on here. So obviously it was a no-brainer to invite you guys back. And uh, you're pretty familiar with the layout of how all this works. So um, I'm going to jump to it. I'm Chris, I'm going to start with you. How was your week this week, man? Oh, man. All right. So um, for those of you who don't know, I'm a first grade teacher. And as saying that most of y'all know that the school year is a hot mess with everything going on. Um, but that being said, I will say this past week was a lot better. The first full week of school was just rough because I teach first grade. So with COVID and everything last year, these kids have never done a full week of school because Spotsylvania County was um, hybrid. That means they just did two days a week. Another set of students would do another two days, like, you know, Thursday, Friday. So when these kids were in kindergarten, either they're completely virtual or just two days a week. So coming into the full shock of having a full week of school was rough on everyone. Um, so, but I will say like, they're getting in the routine. Things are going a lot better. I am actually very lucky. I have an amazing class, um, some awesome students. And like I said, like we're starting to really get into it and they're starting to get used to being back in school. So no, this past week was crazy. It was busy, but it was, it was pretty good. 
That's good. I mean, obviously, it, it probably a little bit crazy too with like everything skyrocketing COVID and all that stuff. But um, <clears throat> sounds like you had a great week, Seth. What about you? I had a pretty good week. Uh, I was t- this week was my first full week. Well, mostly full week back in the office. Uh, wasn't as bad as I uh, thought it was going to be. Um, our 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 office isn't. I think we're still only at like 60%. I think we're only going to stay at 60%. Uh, so it wasn't actually bad in the office. Worst part was traffic. Uh, spent far too much time in traffic that I would really rather have woken up five minutes before logging on to work and logging on then and spending the next like 40 minutes waking up. But, you know, I mean, other than that, it was, it was great. Good week, you know. Had the had our nieces. Uh, we slept over this week. You know, we hung out with them. They did face masks and stuff my wife Mala, you know so they had a good time but i mean it was, it was a good week good week no face mask for you no no i'm not a big fan of it too slimy they feel weird <laughs> so uh, you were telling me that you and your nieces you guys went to like a trampoline park how's your uh how's your old man back doing it is doing okay uh i need a hot shower and a massage um but i mean i'm doing okay as long as i don't move it in certain ways you know it's just just kind of got to sit just right. Otherwise, it starts aching a little bit. I, dude, I'm like I'm like 27 years old, and I I'm, I feel so much older because of this back. It's it's rough, man. It's rough. We're gonna have to get you like one of those uh, chair donut things that you can sit in. Oh, dude, I'd love something like that. <laughs> Chris, I noticed that uh, on Facebook, you and uh, your wife and some of your friends, y'all have been hitting up the freebies at the uh, Battlefield Country Store. Oh, dude, if we can do like a, a quick plug for that place. Yeah, man, yes. if you live and you were in the Fredericksburg area, they are amazing. So last year they did this during their virtual year because um, it was so stressful for schools and teachers. They did like the free sandwich or the free ice cream, the free coffee. Um, they decided to do another million dollar giveaway um, beginning of this school year. God bless them, man. I mean, it's just incredible. If you can get their sandwiches are so good. And when I say like, I mean, obviously, I don't know if y'all have been, but when I say they're good, like they pack those sandwiches. It's like enough meat on a sandwich for like a week's worth of sandwiches. And the fact that they're giving those away free for teachers, like they are just incredible. So if you haven't given your business, this is not like sponsored. This is not planned. If you haven't given your business to the Battlefield Country Store in Fredericksburg, do it. They they deserve it. They they're it's awesome. Power. We love we you love say it, out. you say it's not sponsored, but I sponsor them with my business every time the family members come down because <laughs> oh my there god, go. go nonstop. My, good, good for uh, you. my wife's mom, she's every time we come down, we go down there. Like that's that's what it is. That's her that's their thing now. We go yes. there, we get the ice cream. Oh god, it's, oh, their it's ice so cream. good. Oh my gosh. So their good. Coffee oh, ice cream with um oh what's it called? The buckeyes. Man, done. Done. I'm addicted. So we went yeah. we went a couple weeks ago and we did the what was the big bad BLT. Yeah. And with me, you know, like I said, when we do this, we do like video calls. So most of you who've never seen me or maybe you have seen me, I have this um I would say a rather large beard that hangs. I would say scraggly. Thank you. Um <laughs> like a so, dynasty going on. See, that's that's how you that's how you woo the host, Seth, just letting you know. <laughs> um so when we went, I made the mistake. It's basically it was like I think it's like eight strips of bacon and you and like it's two nine. eggs on it's it, right? Nine, nine strips of bacon. It's crazy. Mm. So I made the mistake of giving the egg over easy. So when I bit into it, all the double yolk just started going all down my beard into my face. <laughs> I don't I don't regret it though. But when we talk about massive sandwiches, we're talking like at least at least two pounds of of meat on these sandwiches. They're unfreaking oh believable. Dude. Oh my god, they're unreal. 
I could talk oh, yeah. about that place all and day. Also, I forgot to announce the fact that my daughter just turned four months this week as well. Oh, so yeah. Like, hey, hey, all right. Yeah, nice. Yes, that's awesome. But, Dan, how was Congrats. your week? My week? Um, Excuse me. Sorry. I'm a, a chugged a monster before this, and it's not sitting well, so I apologize in advance. Mm. Um, My week was a little uh, – so those of you that listened before, last week we had a flood at our facility, um, and we've been cleaning up ever since. And we've – basically are still cleaning up. So we've had a lot, a lot of long days and the heat was at a maximum. Um, basically I was over the whole week within Monday. Like I didn't want to deal with anything anymore. So the, uh, that was fun. But other than that, the week was, I mean, the week was good. Like it was long, you know, it was hard work outside, but you sweat a little bit, you feel a little bit better. Doesn't suck so bad when you work with people that you enjoy or that you like being around, you know? So, I mean, but you know, I came home every night and, you know, my beautiful wife, she either was a passed out snoring like, like, like crazy on the couch or there, or she was cooking dinner. And, you know, I can't be, you can't be upset by that. Like, it doesn't matter how bad your day is when you come home to somebody that you love and whether she's passed out on the couch with the dogs or you come home and there's dinner ready for you, you're going to love it either way. Right. So, I mean, yeah, like, yeah. It, and then the fact that, we are now 15 weeks pregnant and uh, the baby is doing great. The, everything is perfect with this child. Yes. And I can't be, Good. I can't be any, you know, I can't be any more excited. And today we went with uh, actually Seth and Pamela. We went to a, um, uh, I call it a baby flea market, but it's basically just baby clothes, baby stuff, right? Man, we bought so much stuff. And thanks to Seth for selling my wife on some of the stuff that I wanted to choose for my child, which was, heavily flannel based but i mean who's arguing here but my man had my back and my wife got it. it was it was black. very it was very specific it was very specific a lot of the <laughs> ones that we were finding were were like the your typical red and black plaid right obviously uh it's not quite the style that she was looking for um <laughs> comes a lot comes across a little uh lumberjack. a little too boyish lumberjackish okay. you know uh, so she was looking for it, right? So we had to we had to drill down and find the very specific types. Uh, I was able to find, uh, I believe it was like a very like uh, like a lighter, very light red slash pink type style flannel. It was elegant. It was there elegant. It had, a nice, it had a nice on it. You know, yeah, it was, yeah, it, was it fit. It fit. It fit the criteria of what she was looking for. So I got this. This, this man knows me already when it comes to my child. Like what I'm going to, but you know. It is what it is. My wife folded on some things. I didn't really have a say in much of this. So I'm if my kids are gonna wear some flannel, we're wearing some plaid, man. We're gonna rock that. Yeah. Can't right. Wrong plaid. I will say we right. usually stay away from like the girls section on those things because like See? it's all just hardcore pink and mm-hmm. like hardcore like you know some like Brown. You know, sparkles have been like you know added to it. it. Looks to us, it's just not our style. So like honestly, we go in the boys section. We get some like grays. We get some blues. I mean, dude, it's a baby. It's not gonna so, so my wife had a, a little bit of a meltdown in the middle of one of the aisles and oh, just goes, no. who thought it was a good idea to pair pink and brown together? Because these are the worst <laughs> color combinations. I, and she got applause from people around. They're like, no, seriously, these are awful color combinations. Are who wants serious? pink and brown? All the, There's, dude, so much pink and brown. And I was like, all right, I get it. It's a little... It's a little it's much. Not even, which it's is, not even just pink and brown, though. Like, you get blue and brown, too. Right. Like, it's but on both sides. It's also maybe why they were sold or donated because nobody wants those colors. I don't know. 
mean, it was a discount. So, yeah. so I mean, they're doing it. They're doing another one in March, and we're definitely gonna yep. go back. We've we've so. gone every year. I mean, it's awesome. And there's so much stuff there. So much stuff. There's oh man, dude, it's like it's like giant. It's a yeah, whole like, actually get like, lost. There's like there's like three football or soccer fields worth of stuff in there. <laughs> That's yeah. crazy. And I've never been to that part of town because, you know, we we all here live generally close to one another. I've never been to that part of town. So I didn't realize that there was even an athletic field, another oh, yeah. airport. I didn't realize there was a hockey rink, which I looked into. So I'm going to look into that and try to get back out there and play. But I yep. mean, shoot, we could, we could talk about this all day. There's a, right. there's a You're show. Right. We, haven't, we haven't even touched the topic. We haven't yet. even touched on the topic today. There's a show. The topic is let's talk about our adult lives. So, no, um, nobody wants to listen to that. But actually, uh, today we're, we've been, uh, Brady and I feel like sometimes we get, a, we may get a little robotic. And what we do, we try to find topics that may um, touch base with some people when they're battling with mental health. But it's really hard to talk about. Mental health in general is hard to talk about. Finding topics that you can have an hour and a half podcast about to, and stay on topic is also pretty difficult to do when you're not a professional and you don't have a background in any of that, when it's just two people talking. So what we try to do or what we're trying to get back to doing is kind of something what we did last week, whereas we kind of pick a general idea and we have an open conversation, man to man, you know, friend to friend. And I feel like when we do that, we reach people more. I think we reach people better that way. And maybe I'm wrong, but uh, I go by just the numbers of plays that we get on episodes. And when they're real high, I try to just duplicate what we did. I realize, though, that he may be right where we sometimes do get a little robotic and we don't want to get robotic. So today we're actually going to hopefully have a little more of one of those uh, kind of man to man, heart to heart type of conversations. And today is something I would say is real touchy when it comes to mental health in general, where it's an opinion based conversation about anxiety and depression. But it also has to do with church because I think out there there's a lot of people that deal with mental health and they go to church or they have a religious family. They have, you know, they have religion in their life. And whether you're, you know, Christian or Catholic or, you know, Methodist or whatever it is that you that you are, it's hard to relate mental health to something that's going on in the church because everything is so, I would say, and I, and I don't mean this to offend anyway, it is Bible driven because that is how, you know, the Bible is the blue book of the blueprint of life. Like that is your playbook. This is, you do this, you live by this. This is how you should act. This is how you should be. This is how you should treat people. But not everybody's a robot. We're not robots. We are all built differently. And, you know, they say that, uh, you know, God created everybody in his own image. Well, if you were battling with mental health, you have been created a certain way. You are now dealing with something. So that battle should not be ostracized in a church because I feel like that is the one place that you should be able to have open conversations and you should be able to talk to somebody when you're dealing with something, right? Man, Dan, you just, uh, you just hit the nail on the head. I mean, that's – so essentially when it comes to mental health, as far as, you know, I, personally I'm religious. So like the place you should be able to go to – to improve your mental health the most should be the church. But, and I won't say, I say oftentimes, but I say 
too many times it is actually our place of worship that is harming our own mental health and that should never happen and that's that's why i feel like this this episode should have like a trigger warning because like what is it like the things you shouldn't talk about is religion politics and what was the other one either way so like i don't know this is definitely like a, a a taboo topic but that's what this podcast is supposed to be about right that's why you and brady started this podcast is like right. real talk i mean if you're religious your religion is part of your life so i mean we need to be able to be able to talk about these things because it's things that we go through and you know, if you're going to deal with something, if you're going to make anything better, you need to tackle it. You need to talk about it. So that's why I was so excited when you asked me to be a part of mental health in the church. Because honestly, I mean, when I talk about the church, I think of the not just the building, but the church body. So the, the Christian community. And I feel like lately we've been dropping the ball as far as mental health goes. And I think as far as the example Christ set, we can be doing a lot better. Um, and I just, I love the fact that you asked me to be a part of this conversation. I'm fired up. I'm ready to go. Um, but again, as far as like my perspective, I'm becoming from the, the Christian belief because I'm Christian, but I think this is applicable to whether you're Muslim, Jewish or whatever, like whatever your place of worship is, like that should be your place for, you know, good mental health. So like, even if you're atheist, um, this is actually, if you're not religious, this is actually a good way to get a little insight of you know, you may have your own thoughts of what Christianity is. You may have your own, like, you know, judgments on Christians, and that's fair enough. But, like, I just hope that if you do have a negative concept on the, the church and Christianity, that you just hear out to what it should be and what it, it could be. And I don't know. I'm not saying that we're going to change your opinion, but, like, just this is applicable to anyone. Right. And, it, and I think that's a good way to put it. It's applicable to anybody because – not everybody, you know, follows, um, you know, a, a church. Nobody, not everybody reads the Bible. Not, you know, like my wife and I, we went to church. Um, it may not sound like I go to church very often, but we went to church. Like I got baptized the week before our wedding and my wife was the one who did it. Right. So, and if it wasn't for her, I never would have went to a church. And um, when you, I think, I think one of the things when you, when you talk about like with mental health in the church, it's, I think religion the word just religion or God or church or Christianity or Catholic, I think those words themselves put so much weight on a conversation that people may be afraid to approach what you're talking about or may not be willing to accept what you're talking about or open mind about what you're talking about. And Chris, you and I talked about this the other day that if you strip the religious aspect away from a conversation or even a verse in the Bible – and you read something off and you don't give them the connotation that this is from the Bible, I think people will actually accept it differently. And then when you tell them like, hey, actually, that is from, you know, Hebrews 11, people will be like, oh, oh, wait, what? You know, and I think a lot of it is is perspective. And whether you go to church or you don't, everybody battles with mental health. And it's not you're not limited to you're not limited to help just because you don't go to church like you have depression. I, you know, I'll buy a depression. Seth will buy a depression. This is general, by the way. I'm just throwing it out there. You know, uh, you know, our family members, friends battle anxiety or depression or what, you know, whatever it is, it, it doesn't eliminate you just because you don't go to church. You're still a human being. We are all still human beings. You are still battling and fighting. I'm still battling and fighting. And one of the things we touched on last week was as humans, we need to do a better job at being there for people 
But one of the key parts of being there for somebody is understanding what that person is going through. And you, Chris, brought up the idea of anxiety versus depression. And you asked me, like, well, what is the difference between anxiety and depression? I don't have any idea. But I can tell you what my opinion might be. And you have an opinion. And Seth, I'm sure you have an opinion. Yeah. Um, <clears throat> excuse me. So I, I there is a difference between the two. Uh, however, you know... I would I would argue not being medical or you know trained in any way shape or form just from personal experience they're just highly linked together um, you know uh, my wife she actually uh, uh, battled that uh, anxiety and depression along with uh, PTSD um, and you know it's a it's a daily thing it doesn't it doesn't ever truly go away you know some days are better than others um, but I mean you know she she went through depression when i got out of the army I, you know I, I moved in with her and man i like i didn't realize from uh from where i was cuz i was i was always talking with her the phone and stuff like that i always saw the best part of her uh, i didn't see i didn't see you know like the dark side of it of what she didn't what she hid from everybody but once we moved in together that's when i could i could really see it so i mean uh, she suffered from anxiety uh right and that anxiety would lead to her depression uh, like she like she would just have like a panic attack and anxiety uh, and then she would she would sink into a depression. Right. And at which point then she would want to sleep, uh, which was one of her things. Uh, and if she would sleep for like 12 hours or more. You know, I would I would always try and stop it. Um, and it's it's not it's not an easy subject. It's not an easy thing to deal with um, by any means. Um, and 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 I would say I would say to tie in with like the whole church thing, I, I'm going to come out and straight up say this. I haven't been to church in quite a few years. Um, but one of the things that I think was it's not necessarily the problem with the church. I think it's I think it's just an unanticipated side effect of, uh, you know, trying to be, you know, trying to be a good Christian or good Jew or Muslim, what have you, is that um, everyone goes to church and tries to present their best side. Yes. You know, and I think it's I think it's everyone's intent, right? Like, you know, you would get you would get you go there, you know, Sunday morning uh, or, you know, whatever whatever day they celebrate and they would just, you know, like, you know, nice clothes, you know, hey, how's it going? We've had a great week, all this, right? And then, you know, everyone shows they're just the, the best that they can be, right? I am the best uh, Christian that I'm trying to be. I'm trying to improve myself and all this, right? But unfortunately, I feel like that doesn't leave that leeway for you to – like if you show up and you're not your best, I think everyone – it kind of like comes with this silent judgment or maybe even seems like a silent judgment. It just may not be a silent judgment, right? And I think that's just kind of where it kind of creates this atmosphere where – you know, like, oh, you don't get to go and do that. When in reality, from my experience with, with church and from what I hear and all that, is like churches are just like the community can be so supportive and stuff like that. You know, like that's one of the things I do kind of miss about church is the community aspect of it. Everyone there like is just, you know, like, you know, howdy neighbor, how's it going and all that. So, I mean, it can be it can be real tough trying to trying to juggle that. And, you know, I, it is you guys would speak more to it better to it than I would. I, I would I would definitely defer to you guys on that. I just that was like my kind of impression with with it at times, you know? Well, I mean, there's I mean, honestly, dude, the, the way you put that was was perfect. You know, like somebody who comes from outside who doesn't go to church, 
or didn't go to church for a long time, that's a good way to look at it. And you, the big thing, what you said was community and how every, how the community is so supportive. I think what people fail to realize though, is that the church community is also one of the most judgmental communities you will ever find. And I hate saying that, but if you look now, and this is not for everybody, right? But if you want to find some of the most judgmental people, it is some people that sit down in a chair on Sunday and worship God. They will quickly turn your back on you if if these are the people that show up only on Sunday. And I think the difference is when we talk about, you know, like church and talk about being a Christian, it's it's not just doing it one day. It's you've got to you're doing it every single day. But understanding that, listen, we're all human. We are going to cuss like sailors. Some of us are going to drink maybe a little too much. We're going to smoke cigarettes. We're going to do dumb stuff. And it's understanding that it's okay for you to do dumb stuff sometimes if you understand what the dumb stuff you're doing is dumb it doesn't eliminate you from anything and you talked about community you know chris you talked about the church isn't necessarily like the building right when you talk about for me for me this is my opinion chris you can you're definitely you can correct me on this because you're way higher up there than i am when it comes to the stuff um To me, a church isn't about the four walls that you worship in. A church is about the community that you build around you. So whether it's you are hosting a service in the woods or you are hosting a service in your basement, it doesn't matter where you are as long as you are with a community that is willing to go on that journey with you through like a walk of Christ. Am I wrong? No, no, you're not wrong at all. In fact, these are actually you're, – you're hitting on two different points that I'd love to talk about. And like kind of you're talking about to me how you worship God. Um, and that's one thing that to me negatively can affect your mental health in the church. Um, so if you're in the church building, you know, like worship God how you're going to worship God. You know, you'll, you'll go in. You'll see some people who are, you know, shouting amen. You'll see people who are raising their hands. You'll see people who – you know, just sitting quietly, you know, just kind of like nod their head, tapping their foot. Like, you know, who, who cares? Do whatever, like, however God is like, you know, touching your life, do that. You do you, you're in the church. Like, and even I'm, I have a problem with that. Like, you know, I'm, I'm worried, like, you know, that people are going to see how I'm worshiping or people think I'm weird. It doesn't matter. That's, that's your relationship with God. You worship God, how you want to worship God. Like whether you are in the church building or in the middle of the woods, or even if like, you know, you're at home watching virtually. And that's one of my biggest problems is recently, especially with COVID, is there's been this push, like, you know, come back to church, come back to church. And, like, again, I'm not knocking being in the church building. In fact, I think it's great. Like, I think you do – you should have that that fellowship with other Christians, you know, that other people. I think that's wonderful. But if you have, like, a health risk at home, you also should not feel pressure. You shouldn't feel negative the fact that you're watching, you know, the sermon at home. You worship – God is not confined to that building. In fact. When Christ was crucified, the the curtain and the temple ripped, separating that holy, the most holy place from the rest of the temple. So it wasn't just one person who had specific rights, had to go through rituals to go in the most holy place. No, everyone. The Holy Spirit now resided in every single Christian from that point on. If you if you say that Christ is your your Lord and Savior, the Holy Spirit lives within you. You are the temple. And that's what it talks about in 1 Corinthians 6, 19. It's like, you are the temple. You are walking around. You are the most holy place. God resides in you. So wherever or however you are going to worship God, that is with you. And don't let someone tell you 
what's the right way to worship, whether it's in the building, out of the building, it, it doesn't matter. So that was yeah. one of my biggest things. You, you said it was, it's not about how you, you know, it's not, it doesn't really matter how you do it. You're just doing it. Right. And I don't know, a, lo- a while back, um, I don't know if you remember, I, I kind of went on this Facebook rant, which happens sometimes. And it usually, <laughs> it usually, listen, it usually takes like a, a, it usually takes a certain topic for me to really, really get going on stuff on like Facebook. Sports. Like I, sports, yes, you see, I see that often, but like a public statement about stuff, right? And there was something that happened and I can, now I can't remember what it was, but I still remember what the post was. And I, I said something along the line. I said along the lines is that it's Christianity, not churchianity. So there is a difference between being a Christian and being a, you know, Christianity and churchianity. Like the church wants you to do certain things. And I think when you try to rally your troops to do certain things a certain way, you are straying from how you how you really how how like God or Jesus is really supposed to have you be like how you're supposed to worship like if you were telling everybody you need to be here on Sunday you know make sure you're not at home you need to be here on Sunday this is how you know this is how you survive this is how you um you know this is how you beat the devil this is how, you know that's fine you're 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 a preacher trying to get your people excited but you also have to understand it's not going to work like that. Like somebody who decides to stay at home to watch virtually, they're not any less than those people that went to church. Like right. that's not, you know, and I think for me personally, when I started going to church, I was stressed out there. I've always wanted to go and I had a lot of anxiety about going because I thought I was going to be judged. Uh, I didn't really want to dress up in a suit to begin with. And, you know, I was like, I'm not a suit person. I'm just not like, I, I, that is not me. I try, I, you know, it's just, I want to wear my damn, my damn Dickie Carhartt pants and my boots. Like that's what I want to wear. Right. But when we, my wife took me to church and I realized that this is like a laid back church and there's a lot of people who are a lot like me, it helped me accept everything a lot, a lot better. But Outside of that, when you're when you're unfamiliar with something, I think that's when the when anxiety strikes the hardest. Right, and actually, you kind of picked up on that. And so, like Dan, you would consider yourself like a, a relatively new Christian, right? Yeah, I mean it's it's been a couple of years. Like like yeah. I like I said, we went. It was Easter Sunday that we went. I think this was like three four years ago. And then, like I said, I you know. I got baptized uh, the week before our wedding, and yeah, I mean, I, I would say relatively, like relatively yeah. new. So, but what broke my heart, the fact is, like you literally just said that you you see the the churchianity or the the Christians as the most judgmental group that kind of you can really come across, and like for three or four years, I mean, the fact that you've already picked up on that experience, I mean, that's awful. Um, <laughs> And no, I mean, it is. And like, again, sorry, let me, let me just make sure it's clear for people listening. We're definitely not saying there are great churches out there and there yes. are great people, in, even in like bad churches, there are great people and churches are just managed poorly. Um, but that's the other thing that I, I struggle with is the judgment within the church. And there are two different types of judgment, judgment for people who are not Christians and then judgment for people who are like our own fellow Christians. And it's interesting because like you said, Dan, even people have been going, like I've been going to church for my entire life. And even when I go to church, I feel like an imposter. 
Um, because I know what I struggle with. I know what I sinned against. I know the things I've done in my past and I'm worshiping, you know, God. And I feel like imposter, but 90% of the people in those pews also feel like imposters because we all know that we've all fallen short of the glory of God. In fact, if you don't feel like an imposter, when you're going to church, you are the true imposter because you are not mm. acknowledging your own mm. sins. And mm. that, that is, that's the double standard is like, which is great. If we all knew that we're all falling short of the glory of God, we all deal with things. And then we could be transparent with one another because we're also supposed to help each other. We're supposed to confess our sins to one another. We're supposed to help each other with our sins, but we cannot do that. If we then go and gossip on one another, if we judge one another, if we tear each other down behind our backs, that's where the toxic aspect comes to church. We need to have that open relationship where we can be honest about what we're struggling with and that we can like sit there and talk to one another, help one another with our struggles and our sins. And that's what it, the church is meant to be. That's what Christ, the example that he set, you know, but we it's, can't have that if we just don't drop the judgment aspect. So I, I want to, I'm going to chime in real quick. Cause it's funny is, you know, I was listening to uh, Stephen Furtick and that, that's one of the most recent yeah. people that I've, I listen to a lot and I enjoy because I feel like he's just real. And he just like, if you're being an idiot, he's going to tell you. Like, just be honest. He's just going to be down home honest with you. And it's funny because he did a, a, a whole series about, like, savage Jesus. And what he did it was he was like, I'm going to strip away the the cuddly bear Jesus that you know. And I'm going to tell you about all the savage stuff that he did to people. So you understand that, like, you can't just run to him and be like, oh, this is my soft pillow. I'm going to read the most, you know, cheerful Bible verse there is to feel good about myself. But in reality, this is a man that went into a building and flipped a bunch of tables and basically threatened to throw down uh, the uh, the uh, you know, throw down against uh, the people collecting taxes and stuff, right? And it's like you never hear about that. So it's funny because you talked about the imposters, and it made me immediately think of you know the. The, the verse, you know, let him who is without sin cast the first stone. So if you're going to sit there, and to me it's funny when you hear about it because it's like it's like the ultimate challenge, you know. It's like you really gonna going to sit there and judge somebody else when you know you got your own damn problems going on. But go ahead. You, you go ahead and do that. Like to me that's like petty. You know what I mean? Like that is a petty challenge and it's like, damn, like I just got told off by by Jesus like. I need to recollect my life and think about what I'm doing. Like, you know, and it's, it's funny to me because I look at it a different way. And it's also funny to me because when we talk about stuff like this, there's times where I have openly admitted where it's like, well, you know, I had, I, I would welcome some, I would welcome some of the negative stuff and go like toe to toe with the devil. You know, I was had a drinking problem and stuff like that. And I would, after my brother died, and I would get to a point where I, in my mind, it was like me versus him. And I was like, you know what? We're doing this today. We're taking the gloves off and you and I, we're going to have a talk. And I'm going to be the one that walks out today. Whether you think you're going to win or not, I'm going to be the one that wins. And sometimes for me to get over stuff, I have to get to that point. So like, I can't, I know it's going to sound contradictory, but sometimes I don't just, I don't automatically run to the Bible to get over stuff. Sometimes I let myself go to that point because there's some serious shit that needs to go down and him and I are going to have a talk and not, not be pretty, but I'm coming out on top, whether he thinks he is or not. And one of the things that actually Seth, I wanted to ask you was growing up and I don't know if maybe, 
you or your wife has uh, have ever dealt with this, but have you ever been judged by anybody in a church? You know, I can't I can't say that I have, or at least not to my knowledge. I mean, I'm sure, you know, there's been something. Um, <clears throat> I just, you know, like there there were times where I could, like there was people, because like I, you know, I'm not going to call anybody out and I'm not going to say it's an overwhelming majority or anything. Uh, I have just met some people before that like they're different in church than out. You know, like if you if you've seen them outside of church and then you see them inside of church, it's you know like there were times where I was like you know sitting there I was like dude this is like is like one of these is a mask and I'm not quite sure which one it is you know like and that can be kind of a little disconcerting but I can't say I can't say that I've uh, I've personally been judged like no one I you know I've I can't say that I have you know uh, and I can't I don't know I can't say I can't speak for Pamela I'm I'm not I'm not sure on that one. So one of the reasons why I ask is because um, most of you and some of the listeners that we have have actually opened up to Brady and I about some of their experiences with depression and anxiety and some stuff that they have gone through, you know, as children or some trauma, like trauma that they're still battling with and, and dealing with today. And I remember one time when I told somebody about my brother uh, losing his life or losing his battle with depression and committed suicide. Um, some they, this person had the, <laughs> this person had the balls to tell me that well you know suicide is a sin. And I'm like all right cool I don't really give a damn it's a problem like it's not it you are looking at it as a biblical standpoint I'm looking at it as mental health is a serious issue and you just basically told me that you as a Christian, and this is, I'm not talking about you two, this is this person, as a Christian, reject the idea of depression or suicide. And that's how I took that. Am I wrong? No, I mean, I think that person was completely out of place. I mean, you're not, you're not wrong at all. And that's actually also a horrific, it, all right, so here's the thing. People who think like that have never I mean, I can't say never, but for the most part, have never dealt with anyone who has close to them ever committed suicide. Um, and sadly, we see it more and more nowadays. And it's it's such a weight. It's such a horrific thing that to then, again, say that to someone is probably one of the worst things as a Christian you could ever, ever say to anyone. Yeah, and it's not like... It even if it was just like a random person, like a normal, just a not person who doesn't go to church. Like that's something you don't say that to people. Right. No. But for you to be a Christian where everybody is led to believe that Christians are the most loving people in the world. Right. Like, Oh, we, we love, you know, love, 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 love. Where, where's the love when it comes to that. Right. And one of the reasons why I wanted to do this episode with you guys is because like I said, depression in like anxiety and it, it's more, more so now you'll see, um, non-traditional churches talk about it. And what I mean by non-traditional, I mean like, you know, you're, you're dressed up in your, in your suit and you go and you, you up down, you sing the hymns every 15 minutes, you know, like that. Yeah, what I mean by non it's a little more laid back churches, right? Where people will go in wearing pajamas and sandals because, you know, who cares? Like you're there for a reason. It doesn't matter what you wear, I guess. And like, it doesn't bother me. Why should it bother you? Right. But these the more non-traditional churches or more laid back churches have spoken about it more often. And I, I applaud them because it's not an easy thing to bring up because 
depression for my, you know, with my understanding and going through the Bible and stuff is it, depression and all that is basically you were led to believe that there was actually seriously something wrong with you if you wanted to commit suicide. And it's like, why, if you, if you love Jesus, why would you kill yourself type of thing? And it's a lot more than that. And I think when you look at the church, I feel like people are afraid to talk about that they have thoughts like that because they feel like that they will be judged. And the church is the one place that you shouldn't be judged when you have idea or have thoughts like that. And one of the things that we always talk about here is that phrase, it's okay to not be okay because it's okay to have those thoughts. And I'm not saying it's okay for you to go and act on them. What I'm saying is if you are battling with depression or anxiety or you know mental health in general, it's normal for somebody who battles with anxiety to set to doubt themselves and to have low confidence. That's a that's a normal thing when you're battling with anxiety. It's, it comes hand in hand. When you're battling depression, it's normal for somebody who battles depression to think about every now and then, hey, I'm gonna end my life. It doesn't make you weak. Like it doesn't and it doesn't eliminate you from elevating your life. It's just something that is attached to that to that concept of what you're battling. And I, th- I feel like if people, I'm just going to say, man, I feel like if people were just fucking nice, we wouldn't have to have all these problems, especially with a church. Or if you, you know, if you wouldn't just write people off, we wouldn't have to, you know, there would be less of this, com- of these conversations going on. And you would have more people being out having Saturday barbecues. You know, you wouldn't have to sit here and talk about how, hey, if you're battling something, it's okay. And if you can't turn to the church, some of the some people who live their life through church, if feel like they can't go to turn and turn to the church, they don't have any idea where to go. Right. And that's the problem I'm running to my friends who are not Christian. They just see that side of the church and they're like, no, I will never attend church. I don't want anything to do with your God because I've seen what your Christians do. I mean, was isn't that what Gandhi said? He's like, oh, I love, you know, I love, you know, the God of Christianity, but I don't love the Christians. And it's right. Which is horrific. That's that that's the example we're setting. Again, I'm not knocking the church. I'm not trying to knock Christianity. I'm just saying like, as Christians, we need to step our game up. And sadly the past year with COVID and social unrest and everything, I've actually seen it get worse. The example we're setting with, and I'm not saying like whatever side you, you take, but it's the words that are coming out of our mouths and how we're saying it. Like there's just anger coming from Christians. I mean, I literally saw a video of in this area, um, a woman who got, it was a protest going on. It was an altercation um, of two women on opposing sides. And it, it went from a verbal altercation to they physically started fighting each other. And then, you know, it broke up. And the woman who I saw originally turned around and her shirt said, you need Jesus. And I was like, wow, you, you, I was like, if you can just take a step back and look in the mirror and look at your shirt, like what example are you setting right now for someone who is not a Christian? That's what they think Christianity is when here's my challenge to the, the current, the modern church or, you know, any, any Christian read the gospel, look at the example Jesus set, because like you said, Dan, in first John four 16, it says right off the bat, God is love. And then the, the thing, when you say that to it, like, you know, a fellow Christian, sometimes they might say like, oh yeah, well, you know, I know God is love, but you know, you can't condone people's sins. No, 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 no. Back up, back up, back up. God is the judge of sin, not you. There's a reason why mankind is not the judge of sin. The reason why is because we're flawed. 
Yeah, I'm not saying we shouldn't have laws, we shouldn't have a judicial system and things like that. Like, you know, that's fine of this world. But don't worry about what Joe Schmo is doing. Stop pointing fingers and instead look in the mirror and see how you can work on yourself and your faith and your walk in Christ. Stop worrying about what the world is doing. Stop worrying about what everyone else is doing. Look at yourself and have a little bit more empathy and a little bit more self-awareness. Because like you said, that person who made that comment to you, Dan, I mean, that's just horrific. Like you don't, are you building someone up in Christ with that? No, absolutely not. So we need to back off and we need to start focusing on our own lives, our own walk of Christ and share that love because that's exactly what Jesus said. I don't know if y'all ever heard the song. Um, it's called, what's it called revolutionary. Uh, yeah, it's called revolutionary by John, uh, Josh Wilson. Mm-hmm. And like, and all right. So, um, It's played on the Christian radio station all the time, but it literally says, why does kindness seem revolutionary? When do we let hate get so ordinary? And it's talking about flipping the script. And it says, God help us be revolutionary. Like, and that's exactly what it is. The church, we've let kindness become this like far off concept. And we've been filled with hate because we've been plugged into this traditional concept. And honestly, I've seen a lot of politics enter in the church which it should not enter the church. God is not political. Jesus never got political. There is no political party that represents God perfectly. So don't tell people who they should and should not vote for. Let them worry about that on their own with their own walk in Christ. Politics should never enter the church. But this hatred, right. this tradition, we become the Sadducees and the Pharisees of the Old Testament. We forgot. We, we don't even realize it because we're not self-aware anymore. Chris, I think you might need to start your own podcast. <laughs> this might have to be a part one. <laughs> You might need to start your own podcast because I mean, dude, I yeah, I mean, shit, I don't even have a response to that. Like, yes, like you're 100 percent right. And with actually with that, like, you know, we, we talked about or I brought up like Hebrews 11 or a little bit earlier and that was random. But I looked it up and it's actually uh, now faith is confidence in what we hope for and assurance about what we do not see. And actually, this is a question for both of you. And Seth, I'm actually going to start with you. Um Anxiety basically is just to me, anxiety in, in, in just a general term is uh, broken confidence about a situation or something or something that may have happened in your life. Right. So Seth, you or, you know, maybe your wife, if, if you're if there's if you're OK talking about it, is there a time where you or your wife or both of you together uh, and Chris is going to be the same for you too, um, had to deal with something like that where you have broken confidence and you have basically had to deal with a severe level of anxiety and how have you worked through it or did you work through it? You know, so I would not, I wouldn't say that there's, I can't, nothing comes immediately to mind uh, with me in terms of that. However, uh, one of the things that my wife pointed out to me, uh, seeing as that she suffers from anxiety, and this is, this only happened a couple of years ago uh, and I'm only like, what, 27 years old. Um, so one of the things that she pointed out to me was that when, for me, I, you know, like whenever I go to do something, I have like this plan in my head, you know, like, this is how I'm going to do it. Or, you know, like, this is where I'm going to go. This is what I'm going to do all this. But when it strays from the plan, I, I'm not going to say I get like angry, but like, I, I get like, I get irritable and I, you know, it just, it doesn't work well with me. And then for what, like one time she's like, you know, she pointed out to me, she's like, you know, that's, that's like a symptom of anxiety. Right. And I was like, 
what now? And she like just she's like, yeah, like she's like, you get irritable when things don't go to plan. You know, that's that's part of being anxious, you know, and it kind of like rocked me a bit. And I was like, huh. And then she pointed out a couple other things that I do, you know, like that were just kind of like, you know, like, I, I you know, many people probably do like tapping of the foot, but like aggressive tapping of the foot. Um, you know, so like that, you know, and it happens for me, it's like, just like little things. It's like little social things like, oh, I'm going to go to the DMV and I'm going to go into the right line, but I don't want to go in the wrong line. Cause if I go in the wrong line, then all the people behind me are going to judge me. And then, you know, it just kind of spirals in my head, you know, and I just kind of get in my head. So sometimes I got to like break myself out of that. Um, for her, uh, she, um, she suffers from anxiety, um, but it can hit at like random moments, uh, you know, or certain scenarios, you know, if she gets like uncomfortable and stuff like that, it can, you know, it's, it's, it's very interesting to see, um, you know, cause that, cause I've seen it in her a whole bunch of times, you know, and it's, it's, it's not easy. It's, and it's not cause, cause it can happen. It can come so slowly and it can kind of catch you off guard, you know? So for her, it's, for her, it's probably with dealing with her father is where she gets most anxious, um, you know, because she's uh, she's Hispanic. So she, you know, very much big, big into family. Uh, and and she had a, a falling out with her father that I'll, I'll let her go into. But there was a time for her. It was anything to do with her father. Um, she she would get incredibly anxious um and and getting and getting her out of her own head at that point was it took a lot of doing, you know. So it's yeah. So the, like those would probably be like my main my main examples, you know. Well, you you being her husband and all, what what are what are some things that I apologize. My my dog is barking in the background, so if you all hear that, I am sorry. Um. You being her husband, what are some ways that maybe you have uh, tried to help her with when she has like an anxi- like an anxiety attack? I, I guess I would say, or ways that you deal with it for yourself, because you know, like we know, there's always another side to this. So it's, we're not alone. You know, we're we all have our other our better halves, and we all we all are dealing with something one way or another. So like. For instance, when my wife is dealing with like some anxiety or, or depression, sometimes I feel helpless because I don't know what to do. Like sometimes I can help her, sometimes I can't. So Seth, I'm sure there's times that that happens. I mean, I watching you two together, you you were very good with your wife. Like you you key in on a lot of things and you pick up on a lot of stuff that I mean shit makes me feel like like I need to step my game up sometimes. But how do you how do you deal with that? So, um, two faceted question. So I'm going to take the second one first, uh, how I deal with it personally. Um, one of the things that got me for, uh, a long time and, you know, and I'm, I'm not even gonna lie. It still gets to me some, sometimes, uh, these days. One of my, one of the things that got me is that I can't yell at my wife. Like I can't get mad. Right. Um, you know, and I, I like, you know, I'm not trying to sound like, you know, a dick. I'm, I'm really not. Um, you know, but like, there's sometimes like something happens, you know, you just want to like, you know, like just say something and just like, can you not, can you, uh, you know, whatever, you know, just like the normal stuff, nothing serious. But one of the things that like I learned very, very early on, she does not re- react well to that. It actually, it's incredible. She reacts incredibly poorly to it. She has 
that like do the anxiety. It immediately triggers an uh, a like just like like a snap of the fingers, man. Triggers a, a anxiety attack. She gets incredibly anxious. You know, she starts you know panicking a little bit. Um, and so I've learned over time that like I have to like I have to rein myself in, you know, and be and be controlled and stuff like that. And even then, sometimes it still goes through because. Uh, one of the things with with uh, anxiety and depression is they pick up on these little things uh, and, you know, either they overreact to it and read into it far too much or um, they read you without you without you really realizing. Right. Maybe, you're, you know, like body position or something like mm-hmm. that. Right? Body language. Yeah. Yeah. So she reads into that. Um, so, you know, I've learned I've learned kind of how to how to how to kind of temper myself to it, you know, Um but for her, uh, so you know, when I first uh, when I first moved in with her, we we uh, I I would like I was speaking earlier. It was it was rough because I didn't realize how bad her depression was uh, and her anxiety, right? Because whenever I talked to her, she was always happy to see me. Right? I only got to see the best side of her, right? So that's all she would let me see. But what would end up happening was is like I would see like you know I'd be you know we'd be sitting we'd be sitting downstairs and she'd be like oh, I'm going to bed. I was like, "Are you sure it's early?" And I'm, she's like, "Yeah, yeah, I'll go." She go to bed at like eight o'clock, you know, eight o'clock at night, right? Which, you know, okay, is fine, except she'd sleep like on, you know, like let's say like this is like a Friday, she'd sleep until like <clears> eleven <throat> o'clock on Saturday, right? So she was getting well over, well over, uh, you know, the allotted time that she would need for for sleeping, right? And um, part of this was for her 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 depression right it was it was like kind of one of her coping <clears throat> mechanisms was just to sleep and stuff like that and um and, and so like it you know that was that was difficult so basically i would try to i try to work with her on on that uh she would also she would also go shopping a lot that was one of her things is that she she needed that little hit of serotonin you know like buy something oh this will be nice this cute outfit or something like that right just to do that right and i mean like you know, like I can't really blame her for it because I mean, like you know, like hey, you're, you know, you when you're when you're in that low of a place, you know, it, it was very hard. And and she didn't really have, um, she didn't really have somebody, right? Like I mean, she had me, but I was I was I was at a long distance. But once I moved in, I got to see it. Now for her anxiety attacks, um, one of the things that I learned, um, she's very, she's very into it. She's very into mental health. Uh, things like that she she like got in, got into it like would read into it so she understood what was wrong with her like you know these these like why she was having these feelings like she understood the methodology behind it but you know it was still one of those things like she just really couldn't escape it um but one of the things that i kind of like she kind of keyed me in one time i think she i don't think she meant to uh was a technique called grounding uh, and I recommend it for anybody in almost like any situation in which you feel like uncomfortable or something like that. And I and to this day, I still use it when it happens, uh, luckily less than I used to. But um, it was five things you can see, four things you can touch, uh, three things you can hear, two things you can taste and like one thing you can smell. Right. Um, and for her, it was like like it for the first few times I tried to use it, it was very difficult for her, right? Because she would be like, like, what am I supposed to do, right? Because for her, she would, she would, when she would get tired, it would trigger an anxiety, like it just, she would be become vulnerable to an, an attack and then she would do it. And then she would suffer from like a panic attack or anxiety for the next like two, two and a half hours, three hours, right? It was, it was a long time. Uh, and so what I would try to do is I would try to, I try to get her in on that. And I'd be like, hey, what are five things you can see, right? And so we would go through this whole thing 
right? And, you know, like, it was, it was one of those things where, like, you had to be calm and just be like, hey, like, you know, five things you can see. She's like, I can't see anything. You're like, nope, nope. Sit there. Tell me five things you can see, anything. And basically what I would do is I would just sit there and I would encourage her to, you know, like, go through this, go through this whole, all five things, right? And if it hadn't abated by that time, I would just be like, all right, let's do it again, but you can't use the same stuff, right? And then it got to the point where, like, she, she could kind of, she would recognize what she was doing and she'd be a little, she'd start being a little silly about it, right? You know, she's like, I can lick you, you know, I'm like, okay, all right, yeah, I guess you could, I, you know, you could say that. And so she would kind of like, it would kind of help her drag it out. And so this technique on, is really effective for her um uh now you know it was it was a lot but to start what it really was was, was like i had to i had to talk with her i had to talk with her about her stuff she would always talk about the issues and the stuff that she had kind of like what set her off and stuff like that and it wasn't it i'm not gonna lie man it was it was hard for me because <laughs> it like dude it'd be like two o'clock in the morning uh, on a day that I have to work the next day. And I'm like, dude, I just wish I could go to sleep. But, you know, I was like, I was like, I got, you know, like, I got to get it through this. Right. I couldn't just leave her there because then she would just spiral and stuff like that. Right. Um, and so she, luckily we had each other and I was able to, to work with her and I'm not trained in anything, by the way, don't, you know, don't, don't take this as like straight up medical advice or anything. I'm just some dude, right. Like that saw something on the internet, you know, like literally <laughs> everybody else in the world. But, you know, it was, it was very difficult. Um, but I mean, it, and and she talked a lot, man. I'm telling you, like when she would talk about these things, she would talk a lot about about what had happened and how she felt and stuff like that. And I gotta say, like these days, you know, this was this was like what five years ago or so. Um, she would do. She would have a panic attack every night. It was like right as bedtime hit, I'd try to get her to bed real quick. If not, boom, panic attack. But you know, over time, it slowly, it slowly, like, just kind of lessened. Her panic attacks would become less time, and then, you know, it was, like, less and less and less. And now, nowadays, she can sense one coming. Um, and if it does get to the point where she has one, you know, it's 10 to 15 minutes, you know. And if I'm there, I can kind of, I can kind of work her through it. You know, we do the grounding techniques and in and then she works through it. So I mean, it's it's not something that, as far as I know, will ever go away fully. You know, I think it just gets better. You mm -hmm. know. <clears throat> well, you yeah. there's something that you you uh, touched on. It was it would suddenly hit, and you she would just want to go to sleep, right? Like it was just like oh, you'd be sitting on the couch, and it's I'm gonna go to bed. Like oh, oh okay, and <clears throat> it made me think about something where. There was something that I saw, and it, it, I've been scrolling and scrolling and scrolling, trying to find it again because it, you know it, it it has context now, and it's uh, it says depression reminds me of car accidents. You never know when it's going to hit, and you always feel like shit and in pain when it does. And it can either be short lived or the pain and effects can last a long time. You never know how long you'll be in pain for and when it will go away. And I, when I saw that, I was like, that that's the most perfect example of dealing with depression because it's so sudden you don't have you know you don't know how to deal with it right and you dude i commend you because it takes it does take work to like to help somebody go through that you have to learn all the triggers and you have to learn all the do's and don'ts and you have to learn all that stuff about the person that you're with you know especially when you care and you love for them because you want to do everything you can to help them and I commend you because you take it upon yourself 
to figure all that stuff out. And, you know, like you said, like I try to rush her and get her to bed. Like you guys have a routine. You have a way to combat that. And that that is the prime example of what we try to get to is the importance of having somebody in your corner, somebody that, you know, support and friends and whether it's a spouse or family or whatever it is, it's just somebody that you have in your corner that you know that will be there for you till the end, basically, and somebody you can turn to. And so, Chris, I'm going to actually turn to you and, you know, same question with you guys, you know, you and your wife, you have this beautiful new baby. And I know that you are, uh, you guys were uh, going through some stuff together. And is there a time where, you know, like the confidence broke between you? Is there a like with you or with your wife or something that you guys both have battled together? And how did you guys combat that? Um, yeah, actually, that, that's a great question. And, and first off, I also want to go back to Seth. Like, Seth, I just want to commend you as well. Like, what a incredible testimony of just y'all's bond as, as a couple, because kind of like what Dan was saying, like just the fact that you all work together with that and the fact that she trusts you enough to that you can be that anchor. And, you know, you, you took the time to, you know, like work with her and things like that. Like, that's awesome for both of you, like props to both of you, because I think a lot of times, and Dan, you touched on this as well, a little bit, people who, you know, go to the church, they feel like, you know, they have these, these anxiety you know, issues, these depressions. And then a church that, you know, that I even listened to one sermon one time that literally said, if you have depression, like, don't worry, Jesus died for your sins. You're okay. Don't have depression anymore. It's like, well, stop this. If it were that easy, that'd be great. But like, oh, all things not, fixed. Everybody's yeah. a billionaire now. Like, like if it were that, that easy, works. that'd be great. If right. you have depression or anxiety, there is nothing wrong with you. Like you are not, you're not committing any sin for having anxiety or depression, like there's nothing wrong with you. Every person on this planet is broken. It's just, we all have different things we're dealing with. And I am so sorry that you are dealing with any sort of depression, anxiety, because I mean, personally, I, I deal with seasonal depression, which is nothing compared to clinical depression at all. Um, but it is, it's like when you have depression, you literally just cannot do anything. Like you just want to go to sleep. You, you can't get out of bed. It's, it's so hard to describe to someone who doesn't deal with it, but like you just literally, can't. it's not that you don't want to do these things. You just can't, you just so can't you, do them. I don't mean to cut you off, but you said something is that like seasonal depression, there was a long time where people literally thought that seasonal depression was just made up. Oh, like, people still it, do. It wasn't a thing. They still do. Seasonal, seasonal depression is a real freaking thing. You know, it, 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 absolutely hundred percent, but any, sorry, go on, continue. That's all right. And like, I understand it like to my seasonal depression is nothing like any, like, you know, clinical like year-round depression it's nothing like that like it's it's uh, it's i my case is really not that bad um and i found ways to you know cope with it but anxiety is like this this constant feeling of something bad is going to happen and i i actually don't deal with anxiety but i have a close friend who does and i never understood it i was like well what are you what are you afraid is going to happen and they're like no that's not how it works it's not that i'm afraid a certain thing is going to happen it's just that constant I'm afraid that, constant, that everything like, it's everything is going to happen. It's just like, I just don't, I just don't even know. It's just, it's just there that, that dread, that, that fear that right. and you can't even describe it. So like, it's so hard to describe someone's not going through it. But um, as far as Emily and I, like um, again, apart from my seasonal depression and my friend who has anxiety, I, we don't really have too much to deal with, but I will say when we had a child um, for anyone who's had a child, 
uh, it, it's tough. And the first few weeks specifically are tough. Like, you know, you're in the hospital, everything's great. You're in this honeymoon stage and then you come home and, you know, they don't sleep and um, you go through this huge moment. And it's, again, it's so hard to describe someone who hasn't gone through it. In fact, even now I've kind of forgotten what we have gone through, but all I remember is like both of us at our mental breaking point of the fact that like she was dealing with hormones with the pregnancy and um, I was just trying to help her, but I was also exhausted. I had to go to work the next day. And like, I was trying to be as empathetic as possible um, and try to be her support, but I felt broken myself. So it's like, you know, the blind helping the blind. And it's just, it was a mess, man. I mean, like we made it through it. We did. And honestly, as far as babies go, we are very blessed. Like um, our, our daughter is a fairly easy baby to take care of. She's fairly happy. She sleeps pretty well now. We got past that stage. But again, even with a fairly easy baby, like the first few weeks were, were daggone rough, man. Like I, I'd never thought I could deal with that kind of stress, that kind of lack of sleep in my life, but we survived. We did. Um, so yeah, I mean, that's, that's kind of what, what we had to deal with. Now, I do have a quick question for Seth, and I don't know if this is kind of going um, out of your comfort zone, Seth, but for y'all, um, did you, do you ever feel like you use your faith to help you in these moments, like these tough moments? Like, does that ever plug in to help you all? Or do you just, you know, I mean, that grounding technique is incredible, actually. I, I never even heard of that, but hope that helps some other people listening. Yeah, so... So uh, to short answer your your question, yes, I would say so. Um, uh, I I mentioned it a little bit, but like I'm not particularly religious. I haven't been to church in a few years. Um, uh, I believe personally uh, that anybody and everybody uh, should be able to seek faith however they want to do. My faith, I I don't particularly own like a faith, but like my kind of, but I suppose you could argue that I could – I just I I, I want to have a good life. I want to I want to you know try to be like a good man. Uh, I want to have like a good family and stuff like that. So for me is like my goal is to have a fulfilling life. Like I don't ever want to come back out, uh, come out at the end of it and be like, dude, I should have done this more. You know. Um, so I've tried to I've tried to do that with my life. And so I guess I guess technically you would say that that being is my faith, right? My faith is that I am going to have a good life. I'm going to do that, and that's my end goal. Um, that's a, and, to me that sounds like a Seth moral. You subscribe to Seth's morals. Exactly. Ex- I would. You could. You could say that. Yeah. Like you know. Like for me, it's you know my faith is that I'm gonna have a good life, right? Uh, and so I, I would say yes to your question because part of part of what we would do is you know like especially when she was struggling uh, going through these things. Some of the things that I would do, right? So like this was earlier on, or not early on in our relationship, but. This was this was early in our in our physical close, you know, we were living together relationship. And part of it for me was I would say I'd say, hey, he's like, I love being with you. Uh, I'm you know, I can't wait to have a family with you. And then what she would do, because we'd, we'd always talk about it. But that was always one of the things that made her the happiest. So I would you know, I'd talk about it and we'd be like, she'd be like, what do you want to do with me? And I'm like, well. You know, first things first, what we I want to do is we're going to move out because we were in her mom's basement at the time. Um, and we're like, we're going to move out. We're going to get our own place. Uh, we'll get a dog. Right. We'll live together. We'll get a house. We'll have we'll have a couple babies, two, not three, Pamela, if you're listening. Um, <laughs> and so um, 
you know, so I'd say I, you know, I would say that and I kind of say, and I was like, I'm so happy with you. And I was, it was kind of like, I was kind of revalidating her because part of, part of one of her things was, is that she wasn't good enough or I, mm-hmm. it's, it's hard for me to explain what she was feeling. Cause I, I, I barely understand it myself. Um, but you know, it was always one of those things where it was like, I was trying to drag her out of her own head and be like, look, like I understand you're feeling this way, but, but look at us, right. We used to be so far apart. Look at where we're at now. Right. And one of the things that she used to say when she was having her panic attacks was that, uh, you know, like, uh, I'm having it again. You know, she would, she would recognize that she was in it again, but she was out of control of it. And I would say, you know, like I said, like, it's going to get better. It's getting better. Right. And then like, once it actually started getting better, um, she, like, I started pointing it out. I was like, Hey, is like, I don't know if you noticed, but it is getting better. Right. And she's like, no, it's not. It's so much because in the, at the moment, you know, for her, it's her whole world, right? Like the world doesn't exist outside of, outside of, you know, like the panic attack or or the depression. And so pointing it out to her, I was like, look, I was like last night, it took two hours tonight. It took an hour and 45 minutes. That's progress, you know? And it, and it was like, it's like progress by like inches, you know? So it doesn't really seem like it until a long ways. Right. And then it took (laughs) a a couple of years ago. It was kind of funny. I pointed it out to her and it, she it blew her away at the time i was like you understand i was like do you remember that you used to have panic attacks every night and she would be like what and i was like yeah you have panic attacks every night you haven't had a panic attack in like three weeks and then she was like huh i had noticed and so you know so it was one of those things where it was difficult for her to get out of her own head on on that right and to get that perspective because like you know when you're in it it doesn't really you lose perspective you know um so i would say i'd say yeah like my faith was just for you know for me, like one of my things is like it's always going to get better, right? Like it may be, you know, the worst of your moment, worst of the times. It may be downhill, whatever. You, it for me, it was always it's going to be better, right? I've had high moments in my life. I've had low moments in my life, right? But for me, those high moments are what I look at, right? Because I'm so I'm always looking up, so to speak, you know. Yeah, man, we need dude. more Seth in the world. Tell you what, I know, and you know, Seth, dude, Seth, I've said this before, but Seth, you're like one of the most positive people I think I've ever met. Like, I know there's times, especially like when you guys were doing the stuff with your, like dealing with the stuff with your house, but you have always found ways to be positive about things. And you, you touched on something where you said, uh, Pamela, she started to have that confidence, and she she started forgetting basically that she was having those panic attacks, and it's because like. You can be confident and still have anxiety. You can be healthy and still feel bad. You can uh, look happy and still battle depression. Like it's not necessarily a mask. Some some of us wear masks. I wear a I wear a great mask. I'm gonna be honest with you. I probably might mask it the best out of a lot of people. But that stuff that like this podcast is we're trying to avoid. We're trying to rip those masks off. But you can still look like you are in a way that you got your shit together, but behind closed doors, you don't. And mm-hmm. it's hard. I think at that point when you, you, you try so hard to prove to yourself and everybody else that look at me, man, I got a successful job. I got a house. I'm married. I make all this money, blah, 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 you know, whatever it is. And at the end of the day, none of it really matters because I'm still not okay. 
And it's hard because some people like for a good example, you know, you look at like athletes, they talk about their mental health and it's like, I wouldn't be depressed if I had all that money. And I mean, like, yeah, I mean, like, maybe not, but they have millions of dollars and they still battle it. So clearly the money isn't really going to help them with anything. Right. And, you know, for me, Chris, this might be something that you and I may talk about, like maybe off podcast or even a new different episode was I one of my anxieties was when we started slowing down at church. And a lot of it was just, excuse me, a lot of it was we just got busy with life. And then COVID happened and, you know, things, right? Life happens, right? It's just that it is what it is. Was It was my own personal struggles with I know I've slacked and I feel like I've fallen so far off the wagon that now all those like doubts and anxieties that I had before I started going to church are now starting to creep back in and I can catch myself. So I try to, I'm like, all right, like I'm going to commit. I'm going to, you know, do A, X, Y, and Z. I'm going to try to get myself back on track. And then life happens something happens right and i think one one thing i'd like to stress a lot is that life is just life you know like it's gonna happen there's things that we just can't avoid but when something negative in our life happens it it's just a moment it doesn't dictate the rest of our day like we can allow it to dictate the rest of our day but we can also allow it to not and sometimes we just need to take a moment to deal with it, whether it's a cry, whether you go outside and you need to scream and yell or, you know, whatever it is, you take that moment for yourself, but don't let that moment rule your day. You know, it's, you know, like Seth said, you know, is you guys um, realized within it was inches that you got her into bed quicker, right? Well, a lot of things have been lost and won by inches and those little moments, those little inches, those little wins mean a lot. And when you start tacking on the inches, you know, it just become feet, you know, feet become miles. And you, you know, it's just, you got to start small. You can't expect to, you can't expect to fix everything and put yourself back together in one day. Like it doesn't happen, you know, it just doesn't work that way. And for somebody like Chris, you know, you guys, you guys are so, um, so involved when it comes to the church, you, you guys turn, you and your wife, you, you turn to your church community you know, somebody like Seth, for instance, who may not be involved in, in church, you turn to your wife, you turn to your community. It's what you have. And that's how you guys get through this stuff. And it's the same thing with me. You know, I turn to my community. My community is you guys. You know, I don't talk about a lot of things very often. And when I do, it kind of comes out all at one time because I'm building all that stuff up. But you you have that community. And you learn to trust the community with certain things and when you start trusting the community with certain things and you start getting things off your chest you can almost feel that weight come off of you and we discussed a little bit earlier about you know anxiety versus depression and sometimes you can't have one without the other but for me like in a basic term anxiety is basically a broken confidence it's whatever happens something happened in your life you now have a broken confidence when it comes to that right that's where usually anxiety is coming from like you said going through dmv going in the wrong line you're going to be judged you don't have that confidence that you're going in the right line and now you're going to feel like everybody's going to rah, 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 pitchforks and, and torches and then they're going to you know chase you out of the whole building but it it, it to me is just broken confidence and with depression it's a basically a a, a a weighted cloud of sorrow and that's how i look at it and 
it comes and goes. We do different things to battle that. Um, we also sometimes go down the wrong road, but that's what mental health is. There is no, there's no one way up one, you know, about mental health. It's, it's a, it's a climb. It's a battle. It's a grind. And that's why we stress all the time that it's okay to not be okay. And what we started talking about last week was it's okay to not be okay, but it's not okay to stay there. We need to learn how to battle or our fight, you know, go through our fights do what it is what we have to do but at some point and i don't mean this to come off rude and i don't mean to upset anybody when i say this sometimes those battles you've already fought the battle now you're just loathing we need to get past that because if you can't get past that we're gonna be stuck and we don't want to be stuck we want to pull you guys out like we want you to push through and get past whatever it is that you're fighting sometimes you can't but sometimes you can get better along the way and that's why we say, you know, it's okay to not be okay, but don't stay there. Because if you stay there, you're, you're just going to be running in circles. You know, like a dog chasing a tail. And once you catch the tail, what do you do with it? Nothing. Congratulations. You figured out it was part of your body. Like, you don't do anything else with that. And it's like with this. You run around in circles. And when you finally catch back up to yourself, you realize that, I really, I really didn't better myself at all. In fact, I just dug a hole in this hole, basically just this trench just went around in a circle. I didn't even get to get out of this hole. And this topic that we, we talked about today with the church is I don't want to come off again. I'm not trying to come off as rude. That's why it's called unapologetically human. Cause we're going to say some stuff that might piss people off. But I think as a church community, whether you know, you're, you're Buddha or you are, you know, Muslim or you're Christian or you're, you're Catholic or whatever it is, you need to, we need to have an open heart. We need to have an open mind to people who may not be in a religious, uh, you know, we might not be uh, brought up in a religious household or may not go to uh, church or whatever it is. We need to have an open heart and open mind and understand that those people, they are human. We are all human. We all battle something and it doesn't matter what you reside to or you know who you who you praise to we're all battling the same fight and we all need to be there for one another yeah i mean so that that's actually like the last point i want to talk about is the whole judgment (laughs) side is literally judging so as christians judging the outside world like they're the enemy when the people who are not christian are not the enemy you know it's the devil it's sin that's the enemy but like we try to hold the outside world to this standard that they can't be held to. I mean, they don't understand. Like, so for example, you, you, you hear a lot in the church, like, Oh yeah, the, the secular world, they do these things like, you know, Oh gosh, it's so awful. You know, like, why don't, why don't they understand? Because they don't understand. They didn't go to church. They don't know Christ. They don't know God. So like you're sitting here pointing your finger at them when, and like holding the same standards as Christianity, but they don't under, they haven't read the Bible. They, They don't, they don't know. So stop, holding them to this Christian standard. Instead, again, like I said, I will beat that drum as much again. Look at the example Christ set. He went to the Gentiles. You know, you know, he went to, to those who weren't Jewish and he loved them first and he showed them that love and he taught them and he spoke in these parables that they understood and uh, words that they understood. And then when they finally understood, then he said, go and sin no more. So yes, Hold your fellow Christians accountable in a loving way. Yes. But don't go after with pitchforks and picket signs and megaphones. 
to those who aren't Christian because they are not going to understand what, where you're coming from, right? And you're bringing no one to Christ with that attitude, let me tell you, because Christ came out of love first. So stop it. It's just, it's just not helping anyone. So right. before you get on social media and post these hateful things, before you go out to Walmart and chew out the cash register, you know, the cashier, before you go to your, your restaurant and, you know, give them a 5% tip because you give 10% to God, like before you have that terrible attitude, literally it goes back to the phrase, what would Jesus do? And like, yeah. if you just lived your life like that, and I know it's such a cliche and like, you know, when you're a kid, like you made those bracelets, WWJD, but I feel like we've forgotten that, that phrase, go back and read the gospel. All right. Read all of it. And just look at the mentality the attitude Jesus had. And if the church had that alone, mental health within the church would skyrocket. And if you are in a church that is not for your mental health, and I, I'm not saying that like because you're struggling with mental health in the church, that it's not like something that you need to deal with yourself. But if there's truly a toxic, toxic environment, then talk to your leadership in the church. If they don't listen to you, then leave that church. There are great churches out there that are doing great things that truly are following what the gospel says. There are amazing churches out there. So leave that church. And you know what? It may take a few toads that you have to go through, but there are good churches out there. So don't think, please don't let your faith ride on your, your faith in humanity because we're all broken. All right. Your faith is in God, not in humanity. So find a church that, that fits you, find that community, just like you're saying, Dan, find that community that you can be transparent in, that is truly cares about your well-being, whether it's in church, out of church, whatever you, whatever religion or not religion that you belong to, find someone that you can talk to, that you can work through, because that's, that's what we need. We need to be transparent. We need to talk about our problems. And I don't know, that's, that's my soapbox. No, yeah, I mean, dude, you're right, and it's and it's like, like you said, you know, Christians need to stop judging people. You know, don't judge people. You know, go back and, like you said, do what you know. What would Jesus do? Love like Jesus, and at the same time, it's to just be a freaking human being. Like you yeah. know how to, you know how to be a human being, right? Like we all know how to do that. So let's just be a human. Like there's no need for you to be like that, whether. You go to church or you don't. You know how to be a human being. You know right from wrong. You were raised, unless you were raised with a bunch of heathens. I don't know. Maybe you grew up in a Viking village. I don't. I don't know. But you know right from wrong. Don't be a dick. Like, yeah, <laughs> like if somebody's battling, yeah, like if somebody's battling through something, don't be a dick. Like just let them, let them battle. Let them go through what it is what they need to go through. And we talk about this very often on this. I think almost it's like every podcast we talk about this is that people struggle with asking for help. People struggle reaching out. People don't know where to turn to. People don't know uh, like who to talk to, what to talk about, or even like how to help somebody who's dealing with something. Because sometimes you want to be like, Oh no, it's okay. Don't do that. Well, sometimes that doesn't help. Like that makes it worse. Right. And we don't know how to, Sometimes we just don't know how to handle a situation, especially if you are the one dealing with something and you don't feel like you can turn to somebody or if you feel like you've asked for help and people are neglecting or not taking you seriously. It can it can drive you deeper down and make you not want to ask for help. And Chris, you referenced a song earlier, and it's funny because I was actually going to 
I was actually going to do the same thing as as part of our ending pieces here. And there's a, an artist that I've been following a lot lately. His name is Evan Bartles. He does a lot of like uh, folk music, um, not like you know, not like a, like California style folk music, like you know, hippies hugging the trees type thing. I mean, just like Americana style music. And there's a song that he released on Spotify, which is one of the perks of having you know the the you pay for that 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 good good Spotify. You get all those like recent really you get some of those releases that you don't ever hear anywhere else or you have to like scour youtube to get well he put this release or he put this song out and it was called shotgun and there was a part of it that i wanted to actually i wanted to read off as like part of our closing our closing outro here and uh it goes it goes like this it says if i'm being honest i'm gonna lie to you when you ask me how i'm doing i'll use all the words we both know you want me to and if i'm being honest i've been thinking about the day where I don't feel anything at all. I don't fear anything at all. And then at the end it says, I'm going to go, I'm going to load my shotgun. I'm going to point the barrel right where it hurts. There ain't no telling where it all go or where I'll go after. It might not be better, but it can't get worse. That to me is somebody who has no idea how to ask for help. And what I mean is it's not that he can't ask for help. It's in the song. You don't know how to bring yourself to asking for help or you have asked for help and nobody is listening because when you kind of get into that mind frame and I've been in that mindset personally, you basically in, in my terms, you hit the fuck it button. You just do not care anymore. You have officially just turned it off. And you have basically, you've decided that that is it, like you're done. And the end of that song, one of the last, uh, one of the last phrases of that song is bad primer, or it says bad priming, good timing. So the priming, the primer on that shotgun shell failed when he pulled the trigger, which means he squeezed that trigger to try to end his life. And it didn't go off. That's why it's good timing. You realize in that moment that, Right when you're getting ready to do it, one of the most terrifying things in the world is that millisecond of right before you do it and if it actually going to work or not. And I've talked about it before. Luckily for me, it didn't work. It didn't happen, right? And that was probably one of the most emotional times, you know, outside of maybe like my brother dying. For me personally, that was one of the most emotional moments in my entire life because you feel you kind of feel the weight of everything fall off in a way where you at that moment, you know, two seconds before that you felt the weight of everything on your back. And the minute you squeeze the trigger and nothing happens, it's like, it's like, you know, like when you go to the beach and you get hit by a big wave and you kind of like, and you get taken back to shore and you just kind of like get taken out. That's what that feels like. Because one, it's relief, but two, you realize that to me in that moment, there's, there's something more for you and there's not, not everybody can, can stand here today and say that. And people who go through that, it doesn't make you weak. It doesn't make you less deserving. It doesn't mean that you are not granted access to an elevated life. You know, you are you're a human being who has dealt with some shit in their life and 
sometimes sometimes we just hit a wall and i'm sure that maybe maybe i'm wrong here but i'm almost positive that anybody who has attempted maybe people who have been successful in that attempt if they could come back they wouldn't do it and me personally that one time was enough for me you know i there may be days where i may you know that moment may like come across my mind for something but I'll never get to that point again. And I realized that like, I'm going to, you're going to miss, you miss out on so much in life and you miss out on doing podcasts with your friends, you know, and you miss out on, you know, celebrating soon, you know, you celebrating your wife being 15 months pregnant after you've been trying for years and you had three failures in a row on a procedure and you don't think that it's ever going to happen. You know, we, sometimes we miss out on these things and when we battle through stuff like this when you get to experience those little moments it makes life so much better and for people who for the people who may no longer be here understand whether you can hear this or not that we may be confused may not understand it may not be our place to understand but the reason why we do this is to try to help the next person so that doesn't happen and that even though you may not be here you're still here like you're always going to be there and there's moments that you look back on that you just hold so dear into your heart and into your life that you're those are just things you're never going to forget and over time as you battle through that as somebody who may witness that or who has been through or maybe attempted or something, you look back and you start, you don't start asking the question, you, you stop asking why, and you don't really want to understand anymore. But what you do is you end up remembering the positive moment. You remember those things that you went through. You know, I went for a long time asking that question, why? Never got an answer. Tough shit. Like honestly, we're never going to. Like you're never going to get an answer why, and it sucks because you're always going to ask that question. But I stopped asking why, and started to try to understand what happened, like what was going on with him, um, what are some of the things that he's dealing with, and it for a while it was really hard for us to talk about and with my family, and now, man, we we tell stories like <laughs> we tell stories like it just happened yesterday, and for me that is more that's more for me to it's it's healing for me more than anything else and i still struggle with stuff i haven't gone to like visit my brother's gravesite in a very long time and that is for me that is a struggle just because like i know exactly how to get there i know where it is i know where to park i know how to walk without ever looking at a map like those are things you just don't forget but it's also something where it takes it's hard to do you know it's hard to go visit especially when in general like visiting somebody who's who's longer who passed away it's hard to do you know to visit that into to almost relive those moments you know and and i'm speaking personally i'm not speaking for just everybody else in general you know everybody battles everybody deals a certain way right that's this whole thing you know for a long time for the first few months it was if i close my eyes and now i wasn't there to actually see it happen but if I close my eyes, I could I could recreate it in my head and I couldn't sleep, you know, and there's days where it still happens. 
and it's terrifying. Like it's for me, it's almost anxiety, like trying to go to bed and I don't sleep well. I haven't slept well since 2012 after my brother passed away. I don't sleep. Like I get maybe four and a half, five hours of sleep, but you just keep going. And the other day I was outside cutting the grass. It was like 105 degrees out. And, uh, I can't remember if it was Brady or if it was my cousin, somebody asked me like, why, like, what are you doing? Like, why are you putting yourself through that? And I'm like, well, because he would like, he would do it. And honestly, what else do I have to do with my life? I'm going to go home and sit on the couch and watch TV. I like, I need to be more like him and stop being a little less like me because that was the man that I looked up to. And that was the guy that I wanted to be like. And sometimes when I struggle, like at work and like shit gets hard, it's well, what would Matt do? You know, like you said, what would Jesus do for me? It's well, what would Matt do? Would, would he really complain about this? No, probably not. So it's like, all right, well, we're going to keep going because I know he would do it. And it and it's motivation. And, you know, it's just sometimes people will ask for help. And you don't really know that they're asking for help. And when we do this, we hope that when you listen for people who may be struggling, people who may know people who are struggling, maybe you start picking up on little things. Maybe you realize like when somebody says I'm fine and they keep saying it like a hundred times, they might not be. And you may need to sit down and have a talk with them. You, you know, or that maybe they just need space, you know, whatever it is, it's just, we can't prevent, we can't prevent everything. You know, like it's just, like I said, it's life. We can't stop somebody from wanting to do something, but when you know, or you feel like there might be something going on, just reach out. Like it doesn't cost anything to reach out to anybody. It's free. You're not going to get charged for it to just send somebody a message. You'd be like, Hey, are you doing all right? Like, I know you got a lot going on, but are you okay? And they're going to tell you if they are, or they're not, they may lie to you, but that's, that's them. Like if they're not ready to talk about it, they're not going to talk about it. And I think what's more important is they know now that somebody cares. They know that somebody is there reaching out and you reaching out may be enough to try to to save somebody's life. And, you know, we have all, we've all gone through it. Maybe not all of us, but you know, we have battled through it. We have experienced that. And like I said, it's just, it's, it's not, it's not easy, but like we always say, it's, it's okay to not be okay. And that's what this whole, that's what this whole thing's about is that it's not, it's okay to not be okay, but we just can't stay there. We have to keep pushing. We have to keep moving. It doesn't really get any easier. It just, you find new ways to get around it. You find new purposes in life. You find new reasons to keep going. And as long as you got that, you know, like I said, like I said a long time ago, as long as you're breathing, you ain't leaving. So when your feet hit the ground and you're, you, you are filling your lungs with air, you're good. Like you have lived to fight another day. You're going to get through it. It's 12 hours. If you need somebody to help you, or if you need to talk to somebody, just reach out to somebody, make a phone call, call your mom, call your dad, call somebody, text us. It doesn't matter. Just reach out. Cause I promise you that there are people that care and I promise you that there are people out there that will literally walk through fire for you. And I hope, I just hope that if there's somebody who's struggling today that hears that, that they know you've got people on your side, 
don't be afraid to ask. Nobody's going to judge you. And if you know what, if they do judge you, tell them to kindly go kiss a cactus because clearly you don't need that negativity in your life. But I just, uh, you know, I, sorry, I rambled a little bit. Sometimes I get going, but, um, I want to, uh, I just want to say thank you, Chris, Seth. Um, if you guys got anything else you want to add, please, by all means, throw it out there. Nah, man. Uh, oh, go, go ahead, Chris. It. I say, I feel like you should put a perfect bow on the whole podcast right there. That was the way to end it, man. Yeah. Seth? Uh, one of one of the things that I want to do, uh, you mentioned you 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 mentioned that I'm a positive uh, person, uh, and one of one of the things is, uh, and I'll get I'll get into it later, not not necessarily today, but change your perspective. Uh, it's really easy. It's really easy to sit there and look at all the negativity, uh, and let it stack up against you and be like, oh god, this is bad. Oh god, this is bad too. On top of that, and it just it can kind of spiral. Change your perspective. Look for the good things. It's easy. It's 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 a it's a I believe it's a negativity bias or something like that. I'm blanking on the phrase, but basically it's like if you look for something, you're gonna find it. You know, so don't don't sit there and 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 only think of the negative. Uh, you know, if, if it's inevitable that will you know something bad will happen to everybody. You know, and it's scale changes on everything. But don't let it, don't let that be. Don't let them stack against you. Always try and look for the positive into things uh, as well even if it's something little you know like take the wins where you can get them um that's 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 all i'll say on it you know i can harp on it more but definitely change your perspectives try and try and stay positive when you can like we said before you want to change your life change your mind change your mind you're going to change your life you can't have one without the other if you need to change you got to change your perspective about things like you said find the little wins you can find reasons to be upset at anything What's that old thing? Uh, you ninety nine reasons not to do something, but you can't find one reason to do and like to to be positive about something or however that is. You can find ninety nine reasons to be upset about something, but I it could take me forever to find one thing to be happy about because it's just so easy to be negative. And I I don't maybe that's a perspective thing. So like you change you want to change your life, change your mind, change your mind, change your life. That's de- I would I definitely agree, man. That's that's exactly how it is. That's how I've ended up becoming so positive. Is just I used to be I used to focus on all the negative, and then uh, it it started affect it started affect my life uh, and uh, my relationship. So I was uh, you know coincidentally it happened when I got out of the army. Um, but it once you change that perspective, man, I, I'm telling you, night and day, it'll you know the little things will stop bothering you so much. You know, for me, like I just you know, I don't mind sitting in traffic anymore. You know, that's one of my things. I don't like it, but you know, it's, it's, you change, you change, you change your perspective, you know, you know, I'm in no rush, you know, I'm, I'm happy, you know, if I get home safe, that's a win, you know, it, it's just those little things that you can do that just, that'll, it'll, it'll, it'll change your world and it, it'll do it in itty bitty spots, man. You're not gonna, you're not gonna, you're not gonna immediately stop seeing all the bad things. Everything happens, man. People are going to do it, but you can't dwell on it. Like Dan was saying earlier, you know, like you can't let it control you and control where you go. You know, you, you know, change your perspective, become a little more positive. Like, all right, it's done. It's over. Let's move on. Learn from the experience and, you know, get better. Yeah. You know, you look from a, you look at it from like a sports standpoint, because you guys know me. It's all about it's all about sports. You make a mistake, you move on to the next play. 
right? You can't just dwell on it because then you're just going to sit there. And if you sit there and you dwell on it, you're not making the next play or the next one after that or the next one after that. And then shortly you find your ass on the bench and you never have an opportunity to get past it ever again, you know? So, yeah, I mean, you move to move on to the next play. It happened. You find a way to deal with it the way that you need to process and deal with it. Don't let somebody else tell you how to do it. And when you're done, we move on and we get better. That's how that's how we do this, right? So, so with that, um, I'm I do I could we could sit here and talk about this all day, honestly. Like having you guys on is so much fun because the conversations are just so like different. You know, like Chris, like you got the religious background. Seth is this like mystical thinker. Apparently, you know, he just uh, he's now got a wizard hat and a staff and bow forming, and you know, I'm just. <laughs> I'm just some dummy over here on a mic. Like, it's just you guys, you guys are so much fun to talk to. I love the conversations we get, especially Seth, because like he'll be quiet for a good like 35, 40 minutes. And then all of a sudden he's like, I'm gonna hit you with this wizard knowledge. And then just come out of nowhere and you're just like, damn. Like, oh, right? I okay. feel like we need a, a podcast just for Seth. <laughs> so I, scholar. I listen, I listen no, one, to that. no one wants to hear, hear hear me talk that much man at least nobody i know wants to hear me talk that much i mean i think i would subscribe to that yeah, just so to hear all the wizards right now yeah, yeah right like, like there's yeah. two you already got off the ground there's some seed money for you right i need some more positivity in my life <laughs> so i appreciate you guys um i know that it's late it's a sunday we normally don't do this on a sunday but like we said, Brady is out there. He's celebrating, man. The man's getting married next weekend. Um, super excited for him. He's going to be gone for the next couple weeks. I will be gone next week. So actually, instead of taking a week off, these two fine gentlemen have volunteered. Well, more like voluntold, I guess. Um, but they agreed that they these two are actually going to host an episode for us. Um, which I'm excited for because, like I said, you guys are always fun to talk to. You have great conversations. Um, and then the week after that, I will be back and probably end up just having you guys come back on again and talk about whatever it is that we want to talk about. But we will, when Brady gets back, we will finish our, our three-part series on voids. Um, it's just like we say, sometimes life gets in the way. We don't get paid to do this. We both work very long days. We work, you know, we have full-time jobs just like you guys, everybody else. So we have to find time in life to get this done. And we do. We find that we carve out the little moments to get this stuff done for all y'all because I am tired of being chastised by Seth every Monday when we don't have an episode out. Um, so I'm going to try to eliminate that, uh, but it's good motivation to make sure that we stay on top of it because like we said, it, it does take a mental toll on us to talk about this stuff. Cause sometimes we'll sit and talk and then Brady and I will just go about our, our day and then we won't ever come back to it again. It's like, well, damn, we just unloaded all this and now what? And it's like, I don't, I don't really know what to do with myself sometimes after these, after these podcasts, especially when sometimes it gets heavy and you just don't know, like, I don't know what to do. So I literally just sit there and I'll stare at the screen for a little bit and I'll put music on and then I'll try to process what we talked about. And then I go in to like, try to edit stuff. And honestly, that never works well. This, I see why people get paid a lot of money to edit, but, um, again, uh, Chris, thank you. S uh, Seth, thank you. 
I really appreciate you guys coming on. All, like I said, it's always fantastic, uh, fantastic content. And uh, Brady, if you're listening, which I know you will be, congratulations, man. Yes. I'm so excited for you, dude. I'm excited for you and your wife and your and your kids. And, you know, they're, you, you are a phenomenal human being. You're a good friend. You're a good dude. And uh, honestly, this podcast, you know, we, you and I can't, we started this whole thing and uh, it really wouldn't be anything without you being here, but it definitely wouldn't be anything without everybody else who follows or without you two who seem to sub in always at the right time. So I want to say thank you to you two. Um, I really, really appreciate it. I mean, again, thanks for having us and uh, thank you to everyone out there who listens. I mean, y'all are awesome. Yeah, seriously, man. I do appreciate you having me on here, man. It's cool being it's cool being here with Chris, and and you know I'm just happy you guys are doing this. It's a, this is a cool thing, you know. I'm glad to be part of it. And thanks to everybody listening. And hopefully you get something out of, uh, if not my nonsensical ramblings, um, everybody else. Uh, I'm hoping I'm hoping you get something from them because there's there's good nuggets in there, and you can always take something to 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 have a good positive outlook in life. So I appreciate it, man. It's mainly more. It's maybe more assessed, mystical, uh, scholar type of readings, and you know, you're kind of like the guy that you go to for the quests, and you explain everything, and that's that's you. You're the quest guy. Perhaps, perhaps. <laughs> the life so, guru. <laughs> there you go, the life guru. Uh, so that wraps it up. This is another episode of uh, Men in Your Life, unapologetically human. I am Dan. That is Chris. That is Seth on the other side, even though you can't see me. Thank you, gentlemen, for coming on. And uh, remember, it is okay to not be okay, but let's not stay there. Same thing growing up. So, like, my dad would, dude, my dad would, like, antagonize me about shit all the time, but not ever, like, know that, like, I'm dealing with stuff. Like, like, yeah, because I dealt with this stuff when I was, like, 12, 13, right? But like my dad would like antagonize me about shit and would like do these little, little things that like press my button and he would have no idea that I was like going through stuff. It's just, I don't know, man. It's so agitating sometimes. I think it's just, I think it's just one of those things that like, it's like, it's not that you don't want to show the weakness. I think it's more of just that you want to like, you want to, you, you don't want to put it on other people. Like you kind of take the burden on yourself. Like, ah, this is mine. I can do this. I, you know, I'm going to do this. Yeah. I, and then, and then because you're not telling them like what's wrong and you don't know, like it bothers you, but you don't want to like bother anybody it. else. Yeah. You don't want it to bother yeah. anybody else and stuff like that. And so like you're burden them or whatever it is, like whatever gets stuck in your head. And so like, I think you kind of take it upon yourself, but then you don't realize that. Like when they start picking at something, like this person doesn't do anything around the house, huh? Yeah, look at you being all lazy and stuff like that, and you laugh along with it, or you get kind of quiet or awkward, and it, like it hits so much worse because you're like, oh god, it's because I'm this, and it kind of creates a spiral. Like it's like, why am I like this? Why did I do this? Ugh, I hate how I do this, and it just kind of creates this downward spiral once you get in your head, you know? But like. But like Pamela's family never would have known that she was dealing through that stuff, and you know. It, it, but it's so it, like you said, it was happening like right underneath their nose, and they had no idea. Oh yeah. But she, but she never in brought it up house. in their own yeah. house. Yeah. And she never brought it up, and it's like with me, like my mom knew that I drank a lot after my brother died. Like she was like, she'd be like, "Well, I hear this from Taylor because," and I'm like, "Well, I never knew. like I get information from her that my mom tells her that I'm like." 
I'm her son. Why am I not getting this? Why is she telling you this stuff? Like, why didn't she tell me this stuff? And I guess she told her one day, like, she knew that I was drinking because she, like, found a bottle under my bed, but she never said anything. And I'm like, did you know? I, maybe she knew that I was just dealing with stuff and was just letting me do it on my own or, like, you well, know, like, it's, nobody. It's not know. an easy subject to to, talk, to to approach, man. Like, it's. And, 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 and like, the thing is, too, like, when it, especially when you're coming from the outside, I was with Pamela on the inside, right? Like, I was her, I was privy to all of it. I knew exactly what was going on. When it's one of those people, when they're, like, because, like, when it, when it's coming from the outside looking in, people want to be very careful, right? Like, a lot yeah, of times, yeah. if you, if you come across someone, you're like, hey, man, do you drink too much? Do you got something going on? Like, you know, you can get one of several answers, and generally i would say not very many of them are going to be positive you know so like it or and then because or you could come off as accusatory you're like it's like hey i found this bottle under your bed are you drinking a lot like like you're like whoa hang on hey hey just i it fell under the bed how do you like what do you you know like it <laughs> could it could be any one of number rolled. of things right? i definitely didn't fall asleep with that there what are you yeah. talking about or, like, or no, like yeah sorry go ahead no no no, no. Go, go ahead go ahead no no go finish finish your well thought. it's just like it's just like one of those Wizard. things like or it's just one of those things like they just don't they <laughs> they just don't think about it you know maybe it's right, just like right. you know like maybe because i mean especially since they don't see anything you know if it's it's so easy to see like to kind of create this idea in your head you're like you look at somebody you're like oh yeah they're happy yeah you know you've got no you you got no idea if they're truly happy or not you know so it's like ah maybe they just fell asleep and then you know rolled under the bed and like right. uh, not that they drank themselves to a stupor and then they fell asleep you know like <laughs> You know, you have no idea. Yep, yep. So it's, that, that, I mean, that's yeah, like, basically... Yeah, I was going to say, like, maybe they thought they were just a, a teenager. Maybe you had just, like, one, like, you know, wild night or something like that. And that was it. Maybe they didn't know it was, like, a pattern. Yeah. Yeah, that's true. I mean, a lot of it is patterns. It, that's actually one thing we never talked about is, like, patterns, mental health and patterns. Because everybody's got patterns. You know, you have vice, you have... And you do... You kind of get repetitive with stuff. Uh, but, yeah, I mean, like...